This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This week's episode of Screen Talk is brought to you by Hulu, presenting the documentary Minding the Gap, nominated for Gotham IDA, Cinema Eye Honors, and Film Independent Spirit Awards. Compiling over 12 years of footage shot in his hometown of Rockford, Illinois, in Minding the Gap, Bing Liu searches for correlations between his skateboarder friend's turbulent upbringings and the complexities of modern-day masculinity. As the film unfolds, Bing captures 23-year-old Zach's tumultuous relationship with his girlfriend deteriorate after the birth of their son, and 17-year-old Kiri struggling with his racial identity as he faces new responsibilities following the death of his father. For your consideration for Best Documentary. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor-in-chief critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson, our editor-at-large. And Ann, we've got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about before Thanksgiving, including movies that have opened, movies that are about to open that people can check out over Thanksgiving. But let's start with uh, the first one, which is Widows. We've talked about this movie a bunch. We both like it in different kinds of ways. I've seen it twice now. I'm just amazed at how well it plays for an audience. Unfortunately, in its first weekend in release, it didn't quite live up to the kind of commercial standards that you would hope a very smart, engaged, blockbuster kind of a movie like this would do. So what happened here exactly? Well, I guess you could you could take a, a list of all the things about Widows that you and I appreciate because they're different and, and we're not used to seeing... Um, first of all, look at this, Viola Davis, right? She's playing an older woman, a middle-aged woman, if you like, who has, uh, you know, an extraordinary relationship with a good-looking husband, um, except that he gets killed at the beginning of the movie. But we see flashbacks uh, and, and reminiscences of her of her relationship with Liam Neeson. Um, and, and then you have um, a group of women, uh, you know, who are driving the action, women who are rising to the occasion of performing a heist that would ordinarily have been performed by their husbands. And so there's all these ways that it's uh, more feminist, more empowering for women. Uh, um, It's getting into uh, digging into some of the issues in in contemporary Chicago, Um, you know, Black Lives Matter, racist politicians, Um, you know, it's really complicated and fun and and smart and, and good. And yet, a lot of the audiences that might have gone to see it have not gone. It didn't play that well with African Americans. It didn't play that well with men. I mean, I get that it's not a Fast and and Furious movie. It's maybe harder to package. But when you think about the cast, it has the range of of performances, and and it's working in a popular register. I mean, it just it seems like. It's Something a people level. I mean, it wasn't a disaster, but it was not good. It wasn't as strong as it should have been, and um, you know, and 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 it's 
It's, 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 it, it upsets me because it means I was talking to Emma Watts, who's the head of Fox, who, who is going over to Disney. And she was, she was hanging out with the, the heads of Disney, uh, over at the, uh, governor's awards on, on Sunday night, um, where you get everybody in Hollywood all in one place. So what were people talking about? They were talking about widows not doing well. They were talking about green book, not opening well. Um, and that's an Oscar contender, a, a more obvious Oscar contender than Widows. But they both have re- experienced a, a, a slight pushback, uh, it seems, um, from, from the African-American community. Uh, Green Book is a case of something that won the Audience Award in Toronto, and yet audiences seem to be resisting going to see it. It's, it opened a little wider in limited release than you would expect in like 25 theaters instead of one or two or four in New York and L.A., and that seems to uh, be opening it up for some criticism as it goes wide over the Thanksgiving holiday to like 1,000 theaters. Well, it's, uh, the difference between those two movies, though, is that Widows is actually, I think, more kind of angling for an intellectual approach to this genre experience. Green Book is, is not trying to kid itself. It's an old-fashioned kind of a crowd-pleaser of sorts. That should be an easy commercial sell. Widows, in, on some no, level... Wait, wait, wait. wait. I, I, you're saying... I, but but I, what I would argue, with, if you look at two movies that had good reviews but didn't open well even not in that many theaters, there's usually one reason for that. And that reason is that something about the marketing either didn't connect with audiences or misrepresented the movie. But I think that it's, it's, there's no misrepresentation. When I look at the trailer for Widows and I look at Widows, that's what the movie is. It's, it's, it delivers. It's not an old-fashioned action movie. No, it's not an old-fashioned action movie. I don't think the trailer sells it that way. And it's, it's not a mindless action no, movie. No, it's, it's not. That's it's, what they it's wanted. A smart, <laughs> it's a smart action movie. And yeah. if you look back at, I don't know, the way that, say, Get Out was sold to audiences, I think Fair it did that too. And I thought there was perhaps the possibility that audiences would get excited about that. The irony is that Steve McQueen's last movie was about a guy getting sold into slavery, and it seemed like it was more of an easy commercial hit. You on are crazy to even suggest such a thing. Fox Searchlight had to nurture and nourish and slowly play that out and get every single really group well. and all of, in the end, with all the awards attention and everybody being forced to see it. It, was, it became a must-see. It had to become a must-see. This is being treated like a, a commercial movie that, that might become something else later on in the Oscar world, which, by the way, I suspect it may not. I think it may just be Viola Davis who gets through in the end. Uh, because- well, but I think ultimately, perhaps, if you really look at Widows for what it is, it's, it's a smart movie that goes beyond the call of duty. And, and you're right that audiences don't want to be challenged in that respect, or they don't want to feel like they're being challenged. Well, so we're talking about, I'm wondering, I, I, I'm, I hate to think this, but I'm wondering if the kind of blowback that has occurred, you know, when, when, for example, um, there, I think there's a limit to what m- male audiences are, are eager to uh, ingest in the commercial uh, movie arena. The, you could also argue that as much as this is a badass kind of feminist empowerment movie, that it, it's not really selling itself to a women audience. Either it's selling itself to people who want this kind of a genre experience and maybe it's just too heady for that. It's doing okay for 
older women. It's that, that's that that's the group that likes it. But you need for a movie like this, you need it to play a little broader. And well, maybe- but critic and critics like it too. But it, a critic a critic's hit obviously is not enough for a big commercial hit. And the Green Book situation is interesting because it's playing well inside the Academy. And I was at the, again, at the Governor's Awards and everybody was coming up to Peter Farrelly, the writer director and saying how much they liked it. And, 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 uh, you know, Viggo Mortensen was wandering around and, 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 and Mahershal Ali, and they're both really well-regarded actors who do a great job. And it's just going to be interesting to see if the, uh, whatever the, the blowback is from, from, uh, places like Shadow and Act, you know, who didn't like it or our own writer, Tambeo Benson, you know, who tweeted that he didn't like it. Um, I'm curious to see if that has an impact on the Academy. It may not. Well, it's a question of how long those kinds of narratives sustain themselves too. I mean, crash is obviously an easy point of comparison. There was backlash. I remember watching crash and feeling uncomfortable because I found it to be super manipulative white splaining of racism in America and that narrative never took hold, but that was also a different moment. Social media moves a lot faster. Well, Think the academy are- was yeah, that you're absolutely right. Social media has an impact now. The academy back then was <laughs> almost, almost way older and whiter. Hundred percent white men. No, I'm just kidding. But I mean Close. the media has moved slowly but surely so that there the question would be, you know, if it isn't playing well, um uh, you, you know, with a younger, hipper demo, you know, how much does does that, the fact that that demo is bigger in the Academy have an impact, but the Academy is still very white. It almost makes you feel like this is sort of like a blindside kind of movie and that perhaps it could be something that... That's, the bad, that's not a bad comparison. People might want to reward that, but it's it just doesn't look... It, because it looks like a 90s kind of Oscar movie, it's just not the kind of movie you could see people mobilizing behind when you look at the other stuff that's out there. It's not going to get the critics groups and stuff like that. Actually, the comparison, which is interesting, is to to remember, and people, I remember this woman always tells me, remember Crash. Crash didn't get the greatest (laughs) reviews. Um, And and there's movies like... um, Never forget. (laughs) You know, there's things like Cider House Rules or or Chocolat or, uh, you know, there's any emotionally effective movies that are not critical hits that that squeak through. Well, they're like old school Hollywood and perhaps on some level because they're they're just so eager to please. That's enough to carry them along. But it doesn't feel like that's the zeitgeist right now. Green Book is better than that. I mean, Green Book well, is it is a it is a little bit better. Yeah. It, and I think in two words, saves it finally. There's two things. One thing, the thing that saves it is that it's actually um, true story, and it's based on a true story, and it rings true, and you believe well, it's, it. It's almost too easy to use the true story thing as a it's, it's, it, 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 for example, I interviewed Peter Farrelly, and he told me that the guy who's the son of Tony Lip, who helped write the screenplay, so that in me that means that the movie is told very much from that point of view. And Don Shirley, the other character, the most important character in the movie too, he it's a two hander. He he is not as as. Um, the movie's not told from his point of view, and he, you know, he's died. He died in 2013, and gave permission for them to tell his story and reveal his sexuality and so forth after his death. 
So, so there's that. That's what, part of what might be wrong with the movie is that it isn't told from as much from the point of view. And he is. Uh, it is true as as much as Viggo Mortensen puts, you know, the full weight of his abilities to become this Bronx Guido, you know, Italian American characters. Like so it, it, it does feel like Mahershala Ali's performance is the thing that you're left wondering about because he is such a different kind of character than what we tend to see on screen and so on some level you do want him to be the main character he's he's i think what's so interesting about the movie is the way that he responds to racism in the south but on some level i think you could argue that the movie would not be seen as a crowd pleaser it is if it was from his perspective because his situation is far more tragic yeah. he's a very lonely guy Yes. He's very sad. He's had a half yes. hard life, as we learn, for yes. a lot of different reasons. That's and right. So it, just, it would be a different kind of movie. Yeah. And, that's uh, an interesting that's question. A it's yep, a yep, yep, yep. I agree. But, um, so but yeah, it's bad. So we've got some movies opening um, over the holiday, and you and I are going to tell people uh, what to see. What, what, you, what, what should you see over the holiday? And I'm looking at a list of about 10 Well, if your movies. options are either Green Book or Creed 2, just go see Widows. It's that easy. You <laughs> <laughs> didn't go I, last weekend, so... You know. Well, the favorite is coming. The favorite is really fun. Roma is finally hitting theaters. I know there's a lot of debate about whether this should be applauded as as you know Netflix's best effort to date to actually mount a theatrical release, or decried for its uh, lack of of doing it the right way. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's like I want to give Netflix points for trying, but at the same time, this isn't what they do. Okay, and and so if you can see Roma in a theater in 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 New York, LA, or a number of other cities starting on December the seventh, um, by all means do so. If you can, um, they are trying to make it available to you. Uh, from what I understand, it's going to be a total sellout this weekend. Well, and and it's it's it, it, it should be because I think on some level, whether this is a Netflix driven thing or it's just what critics have been doing and kind of the general awareness of this movie, there is a perception that Roma is a theatrical experience, which is a very rare kind of a thing to see that not just let's go see a movie and this movie look, looks good, but the perception being that this movie does need to be seen on a big screen, even if its distributor isn't primarily putting it out that way is a narrative that's taken hold. So we'll see how that plays out in, in the long term. but I am sort of fascinated by the enthusiasm to do that in the first place because it really does work best in that context. I mean, I, I was down in a small regional festival, the Key West Film Festival last weekend where Roma played at the opening night and tons of audience people went out for that and they're not going to get it uh, this weekend and, and so they got the opportunity to see it on a big screen they were well, thrilled they took it to it. regional festivals all around the country. Yeah, they they went everywhere with it that they could. And you talked to those I people. I think it was like, like festivals that played, yeah. something like well, that. But these are people who are not in the industry and they're going to this movie and then you talk to them afterwards and they get it. They get that it would be a different and perhaps lesser experience to watch it on a small screen. By the so, way, the holidays bring a lot of um, events in L.A. and New York. Uh, I'm sure you've been invited to a bunch, too. But over the weekend, there was a Fox Searchlight party. So you saw Joe Alwyn and and Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz. You saw them all weekend long because – and then Netflix had a party. So they're all their 
folks, the Roma folks were at that, at Ted Sarandos's house. And then there was the uh, governor's awards on Sunday night, which is why everybody was in town and why these parties were happening, because everybody showed up for for that. But the, um, the sadder story um, on Sunday night was to talk to someone like Sam Elliott. And of course, everybody was very aware of the fires and the losses in Malibu and in, in Northern California and knows somebody who lost their house, which is a huge thing. Or or went through the experience of trying to to get out and 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 be safe. I think we all know on some level we yeah. know somebody. That's what's sort of shocking. Those people. He he and his wife Catherine Ross stayed behind and doused their house with water in Malibu as the fire was coming over the ridge, and they made that choice and they saved their house, but they have no power and they have friends who lost their houses, and it was a terrifying ordeal. And there he is sitting there in a tux at the governor's awards because he's up for best supporting actor for a star is born and there's lady gaga and all her glory and all the people there who were you know hustling and networking around the room and he said it was just felt surreal you know he was there but he obviously didn't feel very <laughs> comfortable you know uh, with all the pomp and circumstance after having been through this this horrible experience yeah i mean one has to assume if this had come much later in the season it would have been quite the kind of debilitating sort of situation for a lot of people who are bouncing from one coast to the next in the last kind of weeks of the cam- of the Oscar campaign right now it's sort of like it's it's kind of interesting because you were seeing so many people in one place but it you know that it's there is going to be this lull with the holidays and so forth so This is the rhythm. This is the rhythm of it. I'm catching up with more. Now I'm catching up with more docs and foreign films. And I mean, I've seen most of the big, oh, so they screened two movies over the weekend that hadn't been screened until now. One of them was Adam McKay's Vice. I'm not allowed to uh, break the review embargo on it, but what they're doing is they're showing it to all the guilds and getting people to see it. And and I can say that Christian Bale is certainly going to be a kind of Gary Oldman figure in the Oscar race due to this sort of extraordinary alchemy between what the performance that he gives and all the shape-shifting changes that goes that he goes through. Most Which, of us could have told you that weeks ago because that's the narrative that's taken hold ever since we knew. He's amazing in this. He's amazing. Dick Cheney. But and we saw him, you know, back we you and I saw him at Telluride with all that weight gain and everything. He gained like 40 pounds. So he and he and Viggo Mortensen are in the weight gain category at the Oscars, having both gained more than forty pounds. I feel like the the, the one they they keep forgetting to talk about the Eva Melander from Border. She gained forty pounds for her character. I agree. I agree. She Talking should be. I believe Christian that Bale. one will be in the in the makeup race as well, right. along with Tilda Swinton in uh, in uh, Suspiria, and then and then the um, <laughs> but. Um, I'm losing my train of thought now. Um, the other one we saw was Mary Poppins. Um, and Mary Poppins is better Return. than I was expecting. It channels um, and builds from the original in a good way, because I loved the original passionately. And, and, and the score has this sort of, you know, is weaving in all of these little themes from the original score, from the songs that we remember in in the in in the form of a of a of, a, of an actual soundtrack, but there there's brand new songs, and and Emily Blunt is so good as Mary Poppins that I think she might get nominated. 
I think this is even lesser my kind of movie than A Star Is Born, but I'm certainly willing to do it. I'm going to see it. Musicals, so I'm I'm game. It's better than the great The Biggest Showman. It's better than Beauty and the Beast. Um, it's 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 definitely well better than Beauty and the Beast, as in the bad remake that they made. Of the live action. It's a live yeah. action thing. And it's also, but it's a Disney movie. It is totally, but kids are going to go with their parents and they're going to be happy. And it also serves as a zeitgeist movie in a way. And they're selling it very hard this way, I noticed. You can tell when they've got talking That's points. always the thing. I mean, I guess if it's a widow, it's kind of a zeitgeist. It's too it's dark and unsettling. It escape. makes you feel good. This is know. a movie to escape the horrors of, of, of the time. You know, that's the idea. That's how they're selling it. Rod Marshall did a good job. I don't always like his films. I will yeah. tell you this honestly. Yeah, I, but I, uh, I think he did a very good job. He did an honest and sincere... Uh, I, in other words, if you know the original, there you are back at the same you know, house and the guy, the admiral is firing off the, <laughs> the cannon and, and there's some characters left over that you will recognize. Um, and people make appearances that you will recognize. It's fun. It's really fun. It's well done. Well, I got to tell you, and there are way too many movies kind of showing up all of a sudden in the, in the last few weeks. Usually it's like maybe one or two, but I mean, there's just so much stuff clustered around the end of the year and i mean next week that's one of the reasons why the box office has blood in the water right yeah it really it just feels like it's just overwhelming it's like the dams are going to break and everyone's just going to stay home and 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 netflix which hey if that happens in december and they all watch roma great but i have a feeling it's going to be a bunch of stand-up comedy specials though next week we've got this new york film critic circle vote and so the challenge there is that you know we have 46 people voting and this is the first group of many critics who are going to vote over the season. And you don't yeah, know. This is National is. Review, which is not really critics. That's yeah, true. exactly. Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> but but, it, but yes, the NBR will come. critics who are in it. There are some critics in it. Yeah. Okay. But, but, yeah. It, but it is not a critics group. And, yeah. and the critics group is really, you know, these are people who are really watching movies throughout the year, but everybody hey, has. You're going to miss a few big ones, right? There, well, there's the, the only real big movie that I believe will not be seen. I mean, outside of, you know, Holmes and Watson or something like that is, uh, is uh, the mule from Clint Eastwood. As far as I can tell, unless something happens in the next couple of days that I don't know about. So I don't, uh, that, that's kind of a curious one that that one you would think would be something that would screen for critics in time. So. That they're going to have to show that to you the weekend after the holiday, that that would be when the last possible time. They, yeah, the, the clock is ticking. There's not a lot of time left. And it's sort of interesting because this movie was dated so late, which leads you to suspect that, oh, he, you know, Clint finished his movie, so it's ready to go. So if that's not true. Yeah, he and at, the, uh, at the awards ceremony on Sunday <laughs> to give the award to Lalo Schifrin. Um, yeah, for, he found time to party. So, yeah. I mean, and but, he was but, having a final time with Michelle Yeoh. That was, I got well, a kick out of that. He was flirting nice. with Michelle Yeoh. <laughs> yeah, he's on the market as far as we can tell. So, but, but I think that outside of that, you know, there's just a lot of different possibilities here. You know, a lot of people like The Favorite. A lot of people like Roma. A lot of people like Stars Born. A lot of people like First Reformed. So, from a, a critic standpoint, from the yeah. I can't imagine the New York film critics are going to go for A Star Is Born. You, well, but the thing you, you have to keep in mind, movies, as I recall, it's not my kind of movie. But 
but this is really important to keep in mind. This is a movie that has been very well reviewed and that uh, for some critics, perhaps more populist-leaning sorts than myself, it is a great movie. I don't remember you said I mean, that. That's, that's, you know, uh, it's, put it on the record. I mean, it's I, I have a certain kind of sensibility. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I and and by the way, I don't dislike A Star Is Born, but it's not you know my favorite That's movie. Of the year. <laughs> Damning with faint praise. I am going to say because uh, you're not that I highly doubt that the New York film critics are going to go for A Star Is Born only because it's such a big hit and already such an established Oscar front runner that I, I just don't see it. Well, still a few years ago. For Lady Gaga or Bradley Cooper, I just don't see it. A few years ago, this group did tend to go for for safer choices like that. I mean, you had the artist one, for example, or uh, La La Land one beat out Twelve Years a Slave for best film. Mm, but the group has got, like the Academy, to some degree, the demographics have changed. But the demographics of the group have also changed. The sensibilities have shifted, and and. Going back to my original point, it's just there's there's so much stuff competing. It's younger than it used to be, isn't it? It's it's an interesting divide. I mean, there 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 are d- different generations, and I think that's just overall what seems to be happening with tastemakers in our industry, whether it's the Academy or it's critics or, or filmmakers or anybody else, is that there is a generational shift, and that's changing the opinions about you know which movies are worth celebrating in our culture right now. But you know, having said that, I, I'm I'm still kind of fascinated by what the possibilities are here and that that also includes best first film i mean hey stars born could probably win best first film at some group it's a first feature you know so there there's a lot of stuff that could happen here best documentary who knows there's so many different kinds of movies there free solo or mr rogers or you know who knows you know rgb could be a popular favorite in that respect or language film who knows i mean could be minding the gap um you know Um, absolutely i mean we've given it to documentaries before yeah i think that would be that would be awesome i i'm hoping i'm hoping that i would love to see here's a movie that all right speaking of movies that you could see over the holidays um a movie that i think is wobbling on the edge of not being as much of a front runner as it as it could be is can you ever forgive me for yeah that's annoying i mean it's just like what is the disconnect on that movie spirits didn't go all the way and another movie that i find is doing better at the box office than i expected is boy erase yeah, what? Now we're in real bizarre land. If Can You Ever Forgive Me struggles to find an audience and Boy Erase doesn't. I mean, Boy Erase is a harder sell. It should be. Well, I think what's happening, uh, from what I understand, one of the reasons why Beautiful Boy is doing as well as it is, is um, is that there's a lot of grassroots support around the country from groups who are dealing with addiction and families who have, everybody knows somebody who's dealing with addiction. It's a, it's a thing, especially right now, um, around the, around the country. And, and so people, and then with the boy erased thing, it it seems to be resonating also as a, as a social issue that, that people respond to. I find that interesting. Yeah. I mean, maybe that, that's it. Is it on a, on a more limited scale? Well, but as opposed to the, say the widow's scale, people do want to go to something that they feel is 
you know, on, on in the specialty market that they feel is consequential, that has right. value, that makes right. them think about the world. I mean, it's almost like, well, maybe maybe Widow should have been made as as a smaller budget movie and released. Well, there's the question of whether that turns into, you know, whether we can call that, you know, a tweener. That's what happens when it's neither fish nor fowl, and it's not really the what the commercial audience is demanding at the same. But I, again, what I asked Emma Watts, will you still try to make movies like this? Because it's it's so it scares me that when they take chances and it doesn't work, that they'll stop taking chances. Right. Well, but then, you know, you also have something like The Favorite, which was made by Fox Searchlight in, I think, a very uncompromising way. And we'll see how it does this weekend. But it's kind of neat to see that there are there is a studio model that can make films like this with A-list stars and release them in a sensible kind of way. Sometimes something like A Widow slips through and gets perhaps even more resources than what the traditional business model might suggest to you but like you suggested earlier i think the the real challenge is if you are going to make movies on this level how can the marketing plans evolve to ensure that these movies have the right kind of life because on some level maybe widows just wasn't presented to the world in a way that got the right people fired up for it i mean we'll never totally know that's exactly right. That's my point from before. I, I, I think it's marketing is the issue there. Um, okay. So uh, is there anything else that you want people to see over the holiday before we wind this up? Well, after you go see Widows, because splitting the difference between Creed and Green Book naturally leads you to that choice, you can go home and watch TV. And I highly recommend this new Showtime miniseries, Escape at Danamora which stars Benicio Del Toro and Paul Dano as these two prisoners. You remember the story from a couple of years ago in upstate New York who teamed up to basically cut their way out of jail and then Isn't ran around. Isn't third character played by Patricia Arquette? Yeah, so Patricia Arquette is this woman who uh, they basically seduced, who worked at the prison, and she helped them over the years and gave them tools and stuff, and then they promised her that they would take her with them to Mexico. And if you don't know how the story played out, it's worth watching it. But what's so fascinating about it, so the the two guys are are really, really great because they're not good people, obviously, and they're in jail for legitimate reasons, and they are clearly a threat to society. But at the same time, you are rooting for them because Paul Dano in particular is so pathetic. So it's like this thing where you're like morally divided watching the show. And then Arquette's character, she's pathetic. I mean, she, she is, she has transformed herself into this very sad, almost Todd Solondz-esque kind of a caricature. This woman who wants to escape her bored marriage by having this, uh, you know, threesome with these guys south of the border and you know this fantasy will never work out the way that she wants it to but there's something there's like a tragic comic element to the whole thing and ben stiller directed every episode and he really knocked it out of the park it's nothing like what he's done before so i always thought he was a good director believe it or not Um, and I spoke to Benicio del Toro a while ago for um, the Sicario sequel, and he uh, said this making this was was excruciatingly difficult, and and he had never been immersed in a kind of TV series for this length of time, where uh, it wasn't just the intensity of a two-hour movie that shoots for X number of weeks and then they're done. It just goes on and on and on and on. And he said it was really hard. So yeah, yeah. I can't wait to see it. It's, it's something to invest in. But again, 
go to a movie theater. It's a good time to go to the movies. The theaters need the support. See something of quality. And here's one I'm going to tell you to avoid. Okay, everybody? Outlaw King. Oh, my God. I finally saw it on Netflix. I saw it. It's one of those. It's one of the. the, Here's the horrible thing about Netflix, though. You watch something and you're tired and you you, you turn it off and then you pick it up the next night. You know, it's that's not the right way to watch a movie. But um, and I liked um, actually uh, the woman in it very much. um, uh, Florence Pugh, who who, uh, is fantastic in it but um this is one of those things where men stand around awkwardly and try to be manly and don't have any good dialogue it's 2018 man that's such a dated kind of truth it is so (laughs) bad it is one of the worst movies i've seen all year even if it got fixed by 20 minutes well in Um, any case just watch the the showtime thing and you won't have to worry about whatever random junk is showing up on netflix this weekend but you've also got roma in theater so you can do that too plenty of plenty of good options and next week when we reconvene the gotham awards will have happened so we can dig into those and then we can dig into the results in the new york film critic circle so the narrative will continue and i hope you have some good food to dig into on thanksgiving where are you going i'll be wandering around in big sur so hopefully i'll find something to forage in the in the wilderness but we shall see <laughs> have fun eric Thanks. all right bye okay round 2 name something that's not Boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.